It's funny because I'm also mixed race, so I have a lot of like white features, people would say, but I'm also brown. Like I, no one would look at me and be like, you're a white person. <laughs> so for me, like casting used to be just excruciating because I don't look Indian enough. I don't sound Indian enough. But nowadays, it's starting, people are starting to cast people who are American, but people of color. And that's, it's causing like a lot of stress with some people because I know like when I graduated from high school, I had a teacher tell me, don't go into acting. They don't write, they don't write parts for people who look like you. And that was devastating. And I remember bringing it up to administration and they were like, well, he's right. And I was like, and I it just like lit a fire under my ass and I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm gonna change the freaking world. Hi everyone. It's great to be back for another episode of the Veg Talk podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Davey. Welcome to the show if this is your first time listening in, and welcome back to those who have been tuning in to the past episodes. You just heard a short clip from Nisha Balsara, today's very special guest. I'm really excited to be bringing you this conversation. I learned a heap from hanging out with Nisha and have no doubt that you will too. I hope you're all enjoying your week and keeping it fueled by plants, of course. Anna and I have traveled back to Playa del Carmen and Tulum this week. We just had to get back here before heading off to Australia at the end of February. We've been working really hard on new podcast episodes and also decided to start a Spanish version of the podcast, which will be launching at the beginning of March 2019, so just a couple of weeks away. If you'd like to follow our movements, Anna is uploading to YouTube twice a week. You can find her by searching Anna Alarcon on both Instagram and YouTube. You can also find us at VegTalk Espanol now on Instagram. For those of you who are yet to hear my introduction episode, uh, back in October 2018, I decided to leave my full-time sales position and travel with my amazing partner Anna in a van across the United States and down to Mexico. I wanted to dedicate my time to this podcast and being more creative with photography and also helping Anna's blog. My work was just not fulfilling and I ultimately believed I had more to give. I've recently set up a Patreon account, so if you enjoy listening to the podcast on a regular basis and would like to support my work, your help would be greatly appreciated. Patreon is a platform for the public to support independent creators like myself and you can pledge as little as $1 per month. I'd love to continue this podcast and keep bringing you conversations with leaders in the plant-based and vegan community from across the world. So if it feels right for you, please follow the link in my bio to my Patreon page where you can leave a donation. Now let's shift our focus to this week's show. It was one I thoroughly enjoyed and learned a lot from in just 60 minutes. Nisha grew up in Texas with parents from Canada and India she felt out of place much of her childhood and found herself just wanting to fit in. As you heard in the clip at the beginning of the show, she has had setbacks along the way, people telling her because of her color she will never be an actor. We speak about diversity in depth, not just the need for more diversity in the entertainment industry, but also accepting people from all walks of life in everyday scenarios, whether it be school, work, or on YouTube. I think Nisha is an amazing voice and role model for any person of color trying to break the mold of societal norms that have been created over a long period of time. She has an amazing personal story and I'm so, so happy to be sharing it with you today. Please enjoy the show 
I'll see you on the other side to wrap things up. Veggie mates, we're here today with Nisha Balsara in Los Angeles. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We're currently sitting in their new apartment. <laughs> it's uh, it's a really beautiful space. It's completely uh, empty. It's completely we're empty. On the floor. It's on true. Some blankets. <laughs> on the floor, super comfy, ready to go. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool, cool. Me too. So, Nisha, welcome to the show. I'd love to hear a little bit about where you came from. You've got a very interesting background. You were just telling me off air um, about your roots and yeah, I think would be a really good place to start. All right. Well, I am originally from a little town around the Houston area of Texas and I'm from the Woodlands, Texas. You should actually be quite small. Um, It's basically like this forest area and now um, a lot of businesses moved in. I was telling you like Exxon moved in and now it's huge. We got a Whole Foods, we have PF Chang's, like everything you could ever want we have now. And it's so different from when I was growing up because when I grew up, you would go to the grocery store and you'd see like everyone you knew and it was really small. Everyone knew everyone's business. There are like two schools. So it was, it's so different now, but it really it's so different from what I live in now too because I live in LA in like the middle of LA which is so busy and there's so many people that it was very shocking to me to move here but I think I I think I have that small town still in my heart did it take a little bit of time to get used to LA oh yeah I remember when I moved out here um I always laugh because I see like a lot of YouTubers move out to LA and um you get really stressed out driving here. I remember I had to drive up to LACMA for some kind of project and I was living in San Pedro at that time. And I pulled off the highway and just like cried because I was so lost. I didn't have a GPS. I didn't have a cell phone with a GPS. I was so lost and like looking at a map and I was like, wow, I'm not gonna make it here, but I've been here for eight years and (laughs) I'm still fine, so. Okay, so I've been driving around Los Angeles mm-hmm. solo a little bit while Anna's been away. Did you pull over and cry? I didn't pull over and uh. cry, but you know what? <laughs> if I didn't have if I didn't have Google Maps, right? I might have pulled over and had a bit of a teary because Yeah. I was thinking, I was honestly I thought this on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. How the hell did people navigate this place? And people with paper also maps? Yeah, they don't drive like normal people drive on the highway. Oh, no. There's no passing lane. You just drive in whatever lane you want. There's no exiting lane. There's no passing lane. Just like everyone drives in every single lane. It's it's chaos. It's pretty chaotic. It's chaos. And once um, once it like nighttime driving here, I just went and got Anna from the airport yeah. last night. Super stressful. Yep. Yeah. Everything yeah. I think looks we the could same we, at night. It's we crazy. could probably talk about LA traffic for forever for a while. It's it's brutal, but what I'm learning is that basically. Don't leave your house past two. Yeah, that's the worst And if time. you want to go somewhere, wait until about eight o'clock. A hundred percent. So it's... Or listen to some good podcasts. Exactly. Like this one. Chuck on the Veg Talk podcast. <laughs> All right. So yeah, back in Houston, um, you're growing up and you've got Indian heritage. So your, mm-hmm. your father is... My dad yep. is from Bombay or Mumbai originally and he immigrated here and my mom is actually from montreal okay um but she's like considered white um and they met and they had me and my brother and um it really is funny because my mom grew up on a dairy farm and other things besides dairy but 
so she was very familiar with cooking and they ate like a lot of vegetables because that was what was cheap and available to them a lot of cheese too because they lived on a dairy farm and so my mom grew up around cooking a lot and then my dad's Indian and Indian food is so much about a part of the culture and I remember just me and my brother growing up being the only like not really the only but pretty much the only people I think there were like two other Indian kids besides us um, in our town or in our grades and we always had the weird food we always had the weird clothes we always our house smells different we didn't have the same like same understanding of cultural concepts um we have different views of christmas of religion on the whole and because i came from a multi-religious household they really my mom and dad really tried to show that all religion is kind of the same you can look at what's similar and really add and find value from that and that's kind of how we grew up we very much had I think people call it like this gentle parenting kind of thing and that's kind of just how my parents raised us and I don't know I think it has a lot to do with like why we're all vegan now and we my dad grew up vegetarian and so he didn't really want us to be picked on like when he came in from the states um, and he was uh, doing his residency in New York, he was really he was picked on a lot for being vegetarian. So I remember he was telling me the story about him eating hamburger helper for the first time, is the first time eating meat, and he's like, it was disgusting. My dad's hilarious, and he, just the way he tells us, I can't do it justice. But um, I have a video of him on my channel just talking about veganism, and my mom too, and to try to kind of immerse himself in the culture, he started eating American food and so he could sit with the American residents and really fit in and, and build a better life and I think that was something that we really carried on in our childhood like I denied so much of my culture and upbringing because I didn't want to be different and a lot of the stuff that now I really treasure and embody and promote is stuff that I was fighting so hard against my whole life. Yeah, I think as, you know, not just kids, I think I think humans in general, mm -hmm. we just want to fit in and yeah. find that, um, you know, the group of people that we all get along with. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, innate in us. So, yeah. more so when we're children. You, you don't want to get picked on. You'll find any way to kind of, you know, find that group or, mm -hmm. or just, um, yeah, fit avoid, into a circle. Yeah, avoiding shame is something that is so natural i think to human beings because i think we really are social people but because of where we live and how we live nowadays we're really not embracing that social aspect because we're trying to fit in with everything else to avoid the shame and the just stigma behind being different yeah no i i totally agree totally agree there's um i suppose like a you know, a societal norm yeah. that has been oh, yeah. thrown out there through, you know, TV, media. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, we're all trying to chase that one kind of uh, cookie cutter 100%. person. But yeah. we're, we're not all, we can't all be mm -hmm. the one cookie cutter person because we're all, you know, we're all totally different. We're We've all got totally different, different desires and 
you know, different hobbies, different mm-hmm. characteristics. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of sad. We're not yeah. approaching life to just be ourselves. Right. And it's just at the core of everything. We just all want to be okay. Yeah. That's really it. We just want to be okay and be ourselves. I think it, it kind of gets back to what you were saying before about finding the good in people and telling them about it. Mm-hmm. If, if we're to, to pick out the differences and rather than, you know, rather than signal them as a weakness or signal them as uh, something that's mm-hmm. not cool or not right. great about that person... It takes Tell them what way you, more strength to yeah. be vulnerable and to show people like what's inside, what's hurt, what is messy than to hide that all and seem strong and seem perfect. It's way, it takes way more strength to show that vulnerability and to step up and be like, I'm me, I'm messy, I'm human. That is true. Mm-hmm. 100%. So what kind of things apart from the food when you were a child were the things that you were, you know, um, trying to not show to your American friends mm-hmm. in Houston. What you know? What were the the cultural clashes that you didn't want them to see? Oh, I just definitely like, especially that I'm mixed. People, I grew up in a really religious town, and I remember very early on, this little girl was like, "You're going to hell because your parents are two different religions." And I mean, this was like my first day of kindergarten, so I, you can't get more impressionable than that. And then I also spoke French growing up. It's my first language. And so I was very self-conscious about reading, about how I looked, about my family and how I grew up. I had a thick French accent and it was kind of weird because I was also brown with a French accent in Texas in like the Bible belt of the country. And it was like... I, I was extremely shy growing up, and I don't think people actually know that because I'm very friendly, very outgoing. I'm on social media. I'm like, talk, tell everyone my life story on my Instagram all the time. So it's just funny that all these things that you try to hide from other people end up becoming, like, blossoming and becoming so much of your identity as an adult. It's a huge unlearning, I feel like, in your 20s of all the things you've been taught to hide. And it's hard. Like, I wish I hadn't been taught all those crazy things to hide and to change because that would be a lot less work on me now, but it's worth it. Totally. I just, I just read a book um, by David Goggins. He is, mm-hmm. um, he's recently been, on, recently been on the Rich Roll podcast. Oh, great uh, podcast. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a guy that has had this amazing military career, mm-hmm. um, but he talks a lot about owning the shit from your past basically yeah coming to terms with it hey if if you can own it at a younger age there'll be mm-hmm. less shit to own 100 percent. when you get older so yeah. <laughs> if there's anything to learn it's you know if you are able to you know just really go with your gut from a young age mm-hmm. you'll have a whole lot less stuff to to work on 100 percent. as you uh as you get older what about uh you were mentioning yoga meditation mm-hmm we were talking about how well it's just really funny because growing up all these things that I did and I was like made fun of for or people thought it was bizarre I know a lot of people in my town thought it was very anti-god which is funny because meditation yoga is very based in religion if you like read scriptures and stuff like that it's very much a part of that and not eating meat is also a part of that but all these things from pretty much 
I know a lot of Ayurveda, meditation, yoga. I used to do traditional uh, Indian dance when I was really little, and I really didn't talk about it because it was kind of like embarrassing, but I loved it. Um, all these things that I grew up learning are now really cool, and people on the internet keep messaging me and be like, oh, have you tried this? Have you tried oil pulling? Have you tried Ayurveda? And I'm like, this is what I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> look at me. <laughs> like, this is what I grew up doing. And it's just funny because I think it's funny to watch stuff you grew up and you have an understanding of from kind of a cultural perspective be turned into these fads. And it's, it's just really interesting. Like, I listened, I was listening to a podcast about someone talking about meditation and it's so fascinating to me, all these apps and things that have, I think meditation's great, but it's so different from what I was taught. It's way more complicated, I think, than what I was taught. I remember in Indian dance, they would just have us sit and like focus on our breath. And it was really teaching us discipline and focus. And I think we were four or five, we were little kids, but that's how we focused the class. And people are doing this now as adults, and it's so cool, and it's kind of magical to see that happening, but it's funny when people are, like, telling me how to do that kind of stuff when I grew up doing it. It's, it's also a lesson that um, it's not just for adults. You know, no. you, we, don't, we, we shouldn't be looking at meditation as um, a stress reliever for mm-hmm. adults who need it. It's yeah. also, um, yeah, a great way for kids to, mm-hmm. to learn what would I say? Like, look at their inner thoughts yeah. and um, not deal with it, but mm-hmm. like learn. Like consciousness. Yeah. I said, yeah. yeah I've, only, I've only really dabbled with meditation, but right. it, it makes, it ma- definitely makes me feel a lot exactly. better after I've done it. Yeah. There's a lot about balance and finding balance, hashtag balance in this world. And I think a lot of it is rooted in, um, I mean, I don't think all of it, but I, for me, I related a lot back to like Ayurveda and finding all these different kind of, you, you're human, you're breathing, like your relationship with yourself and other people is a living, breathing thing and things can fall off balance, but it's being conscious enough to find out, okay, what's out of balance, what's going on? And I think meditation is a way of figuring out and taking check and um, accessing that part of yourself that's like a bodily, spiritual awareness of what's going on. And it's cool that people Checking are thinking in. about that. Yeah, but I think the the standards and the rigidity of it is very different than what I was taught, but it's cool that it's gaining traction. For sure. I think, do you think it might have something to do with like what we've tried in Western society? I think we're trying to make everything into a science. So, exactly. And so ev- so much of life is like art, you know. Couldn't agree more. We... <laughs> Yeah, we want, we want everything to be um, quantifiable. A hundred percent. That's what we say on The Vegan View all the time. Like, try not to put yourself in a box. You're a person. Yep. You're not a soup can. You can't put a label on you. You can't put yourself in a little box. You're not blacks or whites. Like, you're everything. You're color. Like, there's so much to you. You can't just put yourself in these tiny boxes and expect to not stray from that. And that's so much about, like, we just try to science everything. We're, and I love yep. science. I'm like a huge proponent of science and math. And I love that kind of analytical stuff. But also it's a lot of art and unknown and breathing and things that we don't really know in the world. Totally. Yeah, I watched um, 
I watched a very interesting podcast. It was actually a Joe Rogan podcast, but it was a guy named Dr. Andrew Wheel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, super interesting guy. He's like, basically, as doctors, we don't, um, we don't recognize the mind-body connection at all, right. basically. Uh, the power of the mind. We just completely dismiss it. Yeah. Uh, and we've definitely, in Western society, grown up in that environment where anything that's woo-woo... Mm-hmm. flat out doesn't work and that's how I was not like this like I was a very analytical math and science person and I got sick and that's why I went vegan here we go much. so into that how old were you to start off oh gosh I cannot remember how how old is I I think I was so I was plant-based on and off and I was like vegan I would say I was vegan you know people don't really like that so it was plant-based and I would go like ham I would just go balls to the walls vegan and then I would get discouraged and I'd fall off of it and I think I was this was around like like I went vegetarian when I was about 18 stopped went vegan when I was about like 21 stopped after like a month it was not long lived (laughs) and then I would do six month intervals and then I got diagnosed with uh, interstitial cystitis. I have a huge video about it. It's like a huge long story, but it's basically um, a nerve problem where if you have like a urinary tract infection, you know what it feels like. It just feels like you have, like you're peeing fire (laughs) is the best way I can describe it. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's had that knows it is hell on earth. But with IC, interstitial cystitis, there's no infection present so they can't treat it. It's totally, some people say it's psychosomatic, which makes me so mad because like thousands of women and men are diagnosed with this and telling them that it's psychosomatic, that it's all in their head. It's not the most encouraging thing. And especially if you're like a young, pretty female, people won't listen to you if you're feeling sick and they can't diagnose it. But um, I went to so many doctors and they put me on like all kinds of medication and I remember thinking like my dad's a doctor so I think I think doctors are the best because he's the best and I think they can solve all problems and this was um I was like 20 years old and um it just made me realize that there is something out there besides science there's something out there that cannot be explained and I remember my mom came with me I just had like a procedure done to diagnose the IC and then it was positive and she was like so desperate and she was like why don't you just go to acupuncture because when you have IC like the symptoms can range from just mild pain to you can't get out of bed and I was to you can't get out of bed and like I I had to cut down my classes I was only going to college part-time and so I went so my mom suggested going to acupuncture and I went there kicking and screaming and it worked and I had been taking um like really heavy painkillers like morphine all these things they were doing nothing except making me really itchy I don't know why they do that Mm. (laughs) but so nothing was working and acupuncture worked and I was like I don't understand this at all and I just kept going back because it was working and I could actually like get out of my house and go downstairs to get mail. And those are things that really, I think a healthy person does take for granted. I think you forget 
that your body is a vessel and you can live life in it. And if you can walk, like, you're in a good place. So I kept going back to acupuncture because it was helping me. And the doctor suggested, why don't you try to stop eating meat? And I had already, I was doing, like, I did the FODMAP diet, I think it's mm-hmm. called. Low FODMAP. Yeah. Yep. Um, I did keto. I did Whole30. <laughs> I did, um, and this is just, like, for years. Mm-hmm. And I had done, um, I don't remember what it's called, but it's the one where it's like everything's grain, um, not grain, grain free, free range, cage free, organic, like everything is, you know, what people say is like the best way to eat. The marketing jargon diet? Yeah, the greenwashing, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. yeah. I was on the greenwashing diet. Yeah. Nothing was working. And so I cut out dairy because everyone hates dairy for some reason. <laughs> like normal, not because of the vegan reason, but because everyone thinks dairy makes you fat or whatever. It's it's often the first thing that people tell you to cut out. Exactly. So I was like, okay, I'll cut it out. And then he was, I went to this acupuncture guy (laughs) and he told me to cut out meat. And I thought that was just like total utter BS. I'd never heard that meat was inflammatory. And he said, oh yeah, you should check out fish. So I Googled what's in fish these days. Whoa, why would you want to eat any of that? It was terrifying and it was horrible. And anything that was pretty much pro-meat, pro-fish, pro-dairy, I would go back and look at the sources because I'd always been taught to do that. And it would be funded by someone. And I felt so jaded. And I hadn't, I hadn't watched YouTube. I hadn't watched these films. I was just doing research. And... That was it. And then I went vegan pretty much overnight. And I, I say I went vegan, but it was plant-based because I was still not aware of like the leather industry and its effects on the animals and mm-hmm. the planet. And so I did that. And with it just every month, I needed less and less pain medication. And I, I am totally fine now. You would never know I had a chronic illness. Like I'll have tiny flare-ups, but... I can pretty much ignore them. Like, I'll take a hot shower, it'll be fine. And this was going from like not being able to walk and not being able to do anything, not being able to go to class. I didn't know if I could graduate college. I didn't know if I could have a career at all. And like, I remember I was like, I was praying and just thinking, I will, if I can be healed, like, I will do whatever is in my power to share whatever heals me with the world and I'm a little emotion. <laughs> no, it's fine. But that's, it's just, it changed my perspective on life, on my body, on health and marginalized people and living things so much that experience. And I'm very thankful for it. And I know that sounds crazy, but I think the hard stuff is where you grow the most. And that is, I am thankful for it every day because it gave me like a really new life. Totally. Wow. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, the, the little takeaway that I got from you just there was being grateful for the hard times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm hearing a lot more stories. Mm-hmm. And stories are powerful, right? That's, that's why I got into this podcast right. was to meet people, share their story. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are so many you know, different things that we're all going through. Right. And all it takes is one 
you know, one listen mm-hmm. and it can change someone else's outlook on life right. or, or it can lead them in a new direction to help them change their life. So thank you for that. Um, that was, mm-hmm. yeah, a real And that goes deep back dive to the whole science thing. Like that was a really big defining moment in that there are so many things I can't explain. Like I cannot explain why that worked. But it did, and I know for hundreds of people it has worked, but it's something for IC they're not even touching mm. in the medical community. Because it's not quantifiable. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's... Um, I, f- I think that can be said for a range of, uh, of different things. Yeah. You know, you've, as an example, you've got Dr. Esselstyn, mm-hmm. you know, stopping and reversing heart disease. Exactly. Why isn't every cardiac doctor doing that mm-hmm. when that information is out there it's known you know if people like you and i who aren't doctors Mm -hmm. know this then Mm -hmm. why have we still got heart disease as the number one killer in america exactly people going through you know a really painful experience Mm -hmm. what you've just um recounted yeah and people will message me all the time how does this work because they see my i get so many sweet people messaging me with IC who have or I have just as bad as I did they ask me how does this work how long until I get better do I have to go all the way vegan I'm like this is not science like I am just an actor humble actor in LA and this is my story but it's not quantifiable and I know if you take this into a doctor it sounds I know it sounds crazy like I know it sounds woo woo and crazy but it worked and I just want you to know like that's a thing that worked try it i was gonna say like um i have heard like stories of you know whether it's weight loss whether it's heart disease whether Mm -hmm. it's ic whatever it might be if you are in that pain and you're living that you're living that experience Mm -hmm. the feeling you're feeling now yeah whatever you did is worth so much more than eating meat a hundred percent or not trying the acupuncture yeah just give it a crack like yeah you know what have you got to lose at that point yeah um and for me i was vegan on and off for years and it wasn't until i was like oh this is like a doable thing and it really does enhance my life and it's not going to kill me there's people have been doing this for hundreds of years i can do it and then it happened like i don't like to force foster or force people to go vegan and I don't like to foster an environment where people can't ask questions and mess up and go back because that's not how life works. That's not how understanding and appreciating the choices you make in life work. So like, yeah, if you have to stop being vegan, like go on your journey, figure it out, ask some questions, do some research, but I'm pretty confident in the research that you're going to do that'll lead you back. For sure. For sure. Oh, that was cool. Thank you. Um, next thing that you were you were getting to was it made you want to share your story yeah definitely so did you immediately go to social media as an avenue to say hey i now can create myself a platform where hopefully i can get to other people Mm -hmm. and you know help change someone's life well when you have a chronic illness you'll lose a lot of friends and which is great honestly i know that sounds so (laughs) nuts (laughs) i'm like it's great don't be friends with me but you figure out who really loves you and who's just around you for fun. There, I have the best friends in the world and I'm so thankful for that. 
and they're they're really there for me and with me in life and that's like all I could ask for because I never thought I would have friends like that but I was I had this chronic illness lost a lot of friends I was in a sorority I don't think half of the girls cared that I was there or not when I was sick and um so I looked up how to make vegan friends online and I found a meetup app. I didn't have an Instagram that was public. I didn't even like post photos at all. And um, Jesse was like, you need to make some new friends. Like, come on, let's get it and get you out of the house. You're feeling better. Like you found this new lifestyle. Like he was the one who drove me to that first meetup. So you were with Jesse yeah. through your illness? Yes. Yep. We've been together a long time. Jesse's my boyfriend, by the way. Anyone. How long have you guys been together now? Um, I think this is going on to our eighth year being together. Boom. Nice yeah. one. Yeah. So he's real MVP. <laughs> <laughs> and he pretty much he like took me to the grocery. He's like, buy whatever fruit you want. Let's bring it. It was a fruit luck, potluck for fruit. And he drove me all the way to Santa Monica and basically like pushed me out of the door and was like, go make friends. And I met um, Robbie, Mindfully Diabetic Robbie. I met Jasmine, Sweet Simple Vegan. I met Apples and Amanda's. And this was like, I don't know uh, how long ago was this, like four or five years ago? Um, I think four years ago. And they were taking photos of food. And I was like, I have never seen anyone cut a melon like that. Why does it look like a star? Please show me your tricks. And they were making these beautiful plates of like watermelon and drizzling passion fruit all over this. And I was like, I have never seen a food Instagram before in my life. And I'm a huge foodie. I remember growing up being like, I hope I can do something with food one day because I love to cook. I love to eat. Um, and I was just so excited. So they taught me pretty much how to make my Instagram public. And how did <laughs> I was like, what is this Instagram machine? You, you've got to show people the pictures. That's the first step. Oh my gosh. Take it off the private. Yep. <laughs> got to take it off the private. And they like, everyone added me. Everyone was so freaking nice to me. And it's always like the first day of kindergarten when you go to those things. Like you want to go back home with your mom. I wanted to go back home with my Jesse. <laughs> But you have to go make friends. It's not enjoyable. It's not fun. But at the end, it changed my life. And then I started um, taking pictures and meeting people online. Kept on going to meetups. Um, and then I used to watch YouTube, uh, but I did not watch vegan YouTube. And I still don't watch a lot of vegan YouTube. Um, and so I went to this meetup with Asina O'Neill and Bonnie Rebecca and Tim and Mr. and Mrs. Vegan. I didn't know who anyone was at all. And so I was just, I just like sat next to Bonnie. I was like, hi, I'm Nisha. And she was like, so nice. I didn't know why there was a huge crowd of girls around her. I like did not understand what was going on. And I just started talking to her. And then I saw Asina and there's like a huge group of girls. Asina was like a really huge YouTuber um, who quit YouTube and it was like a huge thing, but <laughs> it's a thing. You can look it up. <laughs> And uh, I went over and talked to Asina, and I was like, why, why is this crowd around you? I don't understand. I'm an alien. And she's like, oh, I do YouTube. And she was just, that's my attempt at an Australian accent. I'm embarrassed. Oh, she's an Aussie. <laughs> yes. Oh, I don't, yeah, both I don't of know them are. All three of them. Okay. They're really... I've they're, got some things to learn myself. Yes. Yeah, yeah you should check them out. <laughs> you should be friends with them. We're going to Australia in Feb, so... Definitely talk to them. Yeah. They're the nicest. For sure. I mean, I don't know where Cena is right now, but 
so I was talking to Asina and I was like, how, why do you have this huge group of girls around you talking to you? I don't understand. And she was really nice. She's like, oh, I have a YouTube channel. So I went and looked it up and she had so many followers. And I was like, whoa, this is insane. Aren't, you're so lucky that you have this many people following you. You're so lucky that people are following you. She's like, I didn't, I'm not lucky. She said, I worked for this. I, I had a Facebook and I shared pictures of myself. I grew a following. She was like, I worked every day for it. She says, anyone can have this. And I was like, oh, I really, really want to start a YouTube channel. She was like, just do it. Just do it. Just stop talking about it and do it. And that has been, so I started a YouTube channel literally the next day. And I remember I had a bunch of friends and I was like, we can all do this together. No one's known one did it except me. And I just wanted to share recipes with my family basically and everyone but my family watched it <laughs> <laughs> and it just took off way faster than I ever thought it would and it was just I loved YouTube for so long I didn't know there was a vegan YouTube scene and that really just like opened my eyes to how magical and cool it can be and just the amount of people I've met and talked to and just like in quotes influenced has been incredible and I don't know I am so thankful that that happened very cool mm -hmm. I like that she said that to you straight up that's my advice to everyone now and yep. it's from Isina which I'm like I wish I knew her and could go tell her like you changed my life like thank mm -hmm. you so much for just kicking me in can I curse on this oh yep thank you so much for kicking me in the ass and making sure I went after what I wanted because I think we spend so much of our time being like, oh, I wish I could do that. Mm -hmm. I wish, I hope, how, how, if you want to do it, just do it. Like you're, it's already too late. So do it now. True that. You know? Yeah, no. I mean, you know, we've made, we've made a ton of mistakes in like navigating our path as well, but just starting. Exactly. The oh only reason... Yeah. I'm good at anything is because I was an idiot at first. Like I'm an idiot and I'm not afraid of being an idiot. Yep. You just go for it and you get good at stuff. Yeah. You've definitely got to drop the ego at the door there Yeah. and just, you know, understand that you're, you're never going to be the best. There's exactly. always going to be someone better than you, mm -hmm. but there's also going to be people that want to learn from you. Exactly. And you, you're you, like your experience in the world is unlike anyone else's and use that. That's huge as well. And that's something I started to understand late last year. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a different reality. Exactly. Uh, so if you can kind of grasp that, it's insane. But, yep. you know, we're talking how many people on the planet now? Eight billion? So many. Eight billion <laughs> different realities going on. Exactly. And they're all unique. There's no, you know, there's no same experience. Mm -hmm. So share it. Exactly. You know, someone will, someone will relate someone will yeah learn and how from lucky you and, yeah. are like how boring would it be to live in a life where we're all very similar yeah get like, rid of the I, cookie I, cutter who would want to live in that world this is so exciting like you can go on instagram and find the coolest people doing nothing with no followings like it's it's just people are so fascinating that's why why i wanted to be an actor because i think people are the most like people and their stories are the most fascinating things in the world i couldn't agree more. That's so exactly so exactly right. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get the feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, watching a documentary or a movie, yeah. whatever it is, it doesn't matter if it's a real character, a fictional character or a non-fictional character. 
the to step outside yourself. The story is what we all feel and yeah. relate to. Um, and it's actually what I think will start changing uh, our relationship with animals. I watched a documentary yep. called The Ghosts in Our Machine. Mm-hmm. And there is a photographer by the name of Joanne MacArthur. And she does a very, very good job of giving these animals, you know, showing them as a, an, a, an identity, as a person or a, yeah. a being. And you, you then feel a relationship. Yep. And it, yeah, I think it could be very powerful in, um, in moving forward and getting people just to realize that, hey, this is a, this is a being here we're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, and I don't think most people don't like animals. I used to be, like I grew up in Texas and to fit in, I would eat so much meat, so much dairy, so much eggs. I could like out eat anyone in steak yep. growing up. But I also really did love animals and did believe that I loved animals. And I think you can, but your reflections cannot reflect that or your actions cannot reflect that. And that's just because we're so taught, like we're seeing animals packaged in such a beautiful, cute way. Like an egg is so Mm. cute. Like Mm. it's just this like white with a little yellow sunshine. It's like pretty and cute. And like people like in Japan, they created Gudetama to make people like eggs more. And Gudetama is like a cartoon character that's like cute and lazy and like people love it. And people wow. like, there's a huge surge in popularity for eggs. Bloggers were offered tons of money by the egg board. Is that it? Egg that's board for administration? Yep. It's like some kind of company um, to include eggs on their plates in effort to make it more appeal- appealing. Chicken nuggets are made into funny shapes. Like, no one's yeah. doing that with broccoli. It's just the disassociation. Yeah, yeah it's that, just yeah. rethink. Like, you think a hamburger's cute. I think I think food is pretty cute. Like, I wouldn't take such colorful, cute pictures of food if I didn't think it was cute. But we don't realize and sit, realize that we're sitting down to a dead animal all the time. Yeah, true. And even if when we do, I think there's fear that it's not healthy to keep them off your plate. Totally, yeah. And it's just because this is all being hid, hidden and people are being encouraged to do the opposite. So Anna's just had a little experience um, herself, you know. Hi, Anna. Can I, can I <laughs> explain? Yeah, so basically just went to a cruise with her friends uh, from Mexico. You know, these are her best friends of 13 years, um, all awesome people. But... Um, a question she got asked was, are you going to, ch- are you going to raise your future kids vegan? And she said, yeah, of course. And they said, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. That's, you know, child cruelty, basically. Well, it's funny that people think that because it's been approved for years yeah. to raise your kid vegan. All stages of life, but it definitely goes back to that fear yeah. that we're not going to get the right nutrients Mm -hmm. hey what nutrients are in a dead piece of flesh compared to a a leaf of kale as an example what are we missing out on and it's i think to relate it all back to the beginning it's this like society of science and being quantifiable people think veganism is a new age trend when in fact people have been vegan and vegetarian for hundreds and thousands of years like since the beginning of time people have been eating mostly vegetables and starches and it was just not aware of that we really think veganism is new and trendy and sexy 
And it's, it's not, it's not the Atkins diet. It's not paleo. Like paleo, I love paleo. It's just about what we did in the past and that's totally not correct. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's crazy to me that we're ignoring. And I think also the inclusion of culture in food is something that's lacking that could really tie us back to roots and back to, you know, hundreds of years ago. Because a lot of societies were vegetarian and that's being taken away with like McDonald's coming in and all these food giants coming in and changing us to be more profitable. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I think, um, you know, dating back, if we really Mm -hmm. want to date back, I mean, paleo people would be eating mainly vegetables. Right. If, if we're going to be real about it, because you're really going to go kill an animal every single day. That's exhausting. Yeah. Like, I don't even want to get up and get my remote when it's too far away from me <laughs> when I'm watching TV. Like, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. No, it's uh, the marketing. Look, they must've done a really good job because they've got a whole lot of people under the thumb. But the other thing is that typically royalty were the people that were having yep. the roasts. Yep. Royalty were also people that suffered Mm-hmm. these chronic illnesses right um, and now we're all eating like royalty right on a crazy level so that's basically well, why we're seeing the in india i know a lot of people used to eat primarily starches legumes and vegetables and there's this just like a few religions where they would eat a little bit of meat or a little bit of dairy for religious reasons or um but when the british came in we started making things like chicken tikka masala and like a lot more meat dishes became well known in India because a lot of like British royalty came in and colonized 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 it wow we got that words <laughs> and i think we're forgetting how our society started because we're trying trying to eat like the rich instead of trying to thrive and not live with that beyond our means that's also some kind of ego drop isn't it to say oh, yeah. like i'm going to eat like a peasant Mm-hmm. and thrive mm-hmm. it's some kind of like you've got to leave it at, at the door again yeah. people you, get mad yeah. at me when i said on the vegan view but i'm like this is about your ego like yeah yeah no, your I ego really is the so. sense of self but not the child inside you know Ooh, yeah we've got some <laughs> deep that? we've got some quotable <laughs> moment no, that, that was it's just like it, it makes you think mm-hmm. it makes you think a lot uh, i think we've got some some deep work to do um, but speaking of Indian cult- culture and heritage, mm-hmm. tying it back in with YouTube. So once you started YouTube, once you started getting into food and sharing your recipes, yeah. did that give you a place to then get back in touch with your roots and 100%. say like, I'm proud of this. I'm going to show you yeah. well, what I can cook. Well, especially a lot of the YouTubers when I started were white, blonde, like beautiful female YouTubers. Wonderful. Like, they are stars. They are themselves. Like, get it. (laughs) But I'm not that. Like, I grew up very differently. I have very different tastes. Like, for me, I remember the other day someone was giving someone advice, and they said, well, if you're going vegan, try not to make something like doll because it's weird. And I was like, hmm, hmm, don't like that. (laughs) Because to me, like, chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese are weird. But to most people... (laughs) that's not weird like growing up people come to my house and they'd be like oh can we get uh, macaroni and cheese and my mom was like what is that and so she would like great broccoli inside and they'd be like what what are you doing so to me 
that kind of stuff is so far removed from me and like who I am and then same thing with Indian food like my first foods weren't milk and cheese it was dal and rice and that was just it's just normal for me and we're we I think people forget that there are a lot of people of color who are vegan or just living their lives out here on social media and they're just not being recognized especially like we had vegan street fair um the like come on the vegan view and we talked about how there is just not that it's people say oh people of color need to really speak up for the vegan movement but that's not true they're just not being as celebrated and recognized like when you see hands on a lot of like PETA's website or Mercy for Animals it's usually a white hand or it's usually a very beautiful white woman and you know (laughs) there are like billions of people who don't identify as that and we're not helping them go vegan or encourage their culture within veganism by just showing that that's a fantastic Mm -hmm. point we can do a lot more within our own community yeah to to help that yeah definitely like if you're going to make a doll recipe like definitely find someone who grew up eating that who has a vegan version and if you're going to eat vegan Ethiopian food or make that don't like go to someone who grew up eating that like go to someone that that's their culture like we cannot keep whitewashing foods like of course make it to your own taste like celebrate you be yourself but definitely like make veganism more about my profile says no smoothie bowls it's not that i don't like smoothie bowls like i don't care if you like smoothie bowls i love a good smoothie bowl every once in a while too but i really want to show people hey like i like savory stuff i am from texas i'm half white i like pizza and pasta like like a lot of cheese because my mom is a dairy farmer so you're gonna see that but you're also gonna see a lot of indian food on my page and it's just because i know i'm helping other people like me by being me that's and Indian food's do. delicious. And Indian food's so good. So it's good. so easy to make vegan. Yeah. I think people don't realize that. Oh, it's got to be, right? We can go eat that after this if you guys want. I mean, I'm getting <laughs> super hungry. Just When you said Ethiopian food as well, I was like, all right, now... There's now, some really good Ethiopian food here too. Now I'm triggered. I'm, I'm really hungry. <laughs> but uh, to your point of whitewashing, so mm-hmm. uh, you're an actor, actress... Mm-hmm. That's an industry that, yeah, you know, has got a lot of attention at the right. Oscars. Say, you know, yes. there's been over the last five to ten years, maybe. Right. I don't know. There's been a lot of talk about what's the deal. Like, yeah, why are all the best actors and yeah. actresses? <laughs> I could say a lot, but well, let's let's talk about it a little well, bit. I mean, it's I your have, your industry, and you're in it as well. So. I do have an episode on Earth to Us back when I first started acting, um, talking about this, and I talk everything about like how cameras are made to like the wages and differences and all that stuff. So definitely check that out, Earth to Us podcast. Um, and I talk a lot about kind of just like the stats of being a person of color in Hollywood, but it also has changed a lot since then, and. It's funny because I'm also mixed race, so I have a lot of like white features, people would say, but I'm also brown. Like I, no one would look at me and be like, you're a white person. Yep. So for me, like casting used to be just excruciating because I don't look Indian enough. I don't sound Indian enough. But nowadays, it's starting 
people are starting to cast people who are American, but people of color. And that's, it's causing like a lot of stress with some people. Cause I know like when I graduated from high school, I had a teacher tell me, don't go into acting. They don't write, they don't write parts for people who look like you. And that was devastating. And I remember bringing it up to administration and they were like, well, he's right. And I was like, and I just like lit a fire under my ass. And I was like, okay, well, (laughs) I'm going to change the freaking world. And the world is changing because I think too many people who are stubborn like me have been told that for too long. And it's just, you go out there and you look, I know growing up, I don't think you realize how white TV is unless you're not white or unless you've taken a step back. Yeah. And we so talk you, about this a lot. Yeah. yeah. I don't think people really like realize that. And you take a step back and um, you realize and you look around in the real world and you see, whoa, that's not what TV looks like. And I really thought there weren't a lot of brown people growing up because I grew up in a really small town. And then I came to LA and I was like, whoa, this is awesome. This people, is what America yeah. looks like. People play, people play cricket in LA. Yes. Like, I learned that from Crick doing. I learned that from doing phone sales with a with a previous company, but yeah, the guy was like, "Oh, you're Australian." Long story short, you know, we always talk about cricket, and he's like, "Yeah, we play cricket out here." Yeah, I was like, "That's freaking cool." Yeah, it's super diverse and really cool, and it just it fueled my fire even more to just keep on pursuing it, and I just had faith that it's going to change, and it is changing. So just like people, I always tell young people, they always write to me like, how can I start being an actor? You just go do it. Like you can read um, The Actor's Life. What's her name? Pam from The Office. Jenna Fisher wrote a really good book for people beginning actors. So I always been beginning acting. So I always recommend that. But just go and just don't stop believing yourself. It's going to be hard. But we need more diverse people in film and media and commercials. Um, and that also makes a lot of people mad because back when I started, when that teacher told me not to do it, like people who looked like Britney Spears, <laughs> we live in LA. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so people like Britney Spears were the people who were getting cast, like the girls, in the girls next door, um, white, blonde, beautiful, classically pretty girls. And now it's totally the opposite. And now people do make the argument. They're like, oh, you're only getting things because you are um, ethnic. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Is the playing field even now? That's that's so sad. <laughs> but it's true. It's just it's getting a little more even. People are afraid of that. We can, yeah, we can see that across other levels of uh, society as well. Mm-hmm. Politics, great place to, to yeah. see that. I think the last elections have seen the playing field get a little more diverse mm-hmm. and it's scaring the shit out of the old white guys Oh yeah, that have been sitting there for the last 20, 30 years mm-hmm. seeing young women of colour yeah. come in and they're not only just coming into a, you know, a seat, mm-hmm. they're loud and they're talking their, their minds. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to see. Especially with the internet becoming a huge thing. It is so easy to share ideas now and find people like you. And I think the support, especially from other Indian women on the internet for me, has been incredible. 
like not even vegan Indian women, just like anyone who's Indian and sees my profile, they're like, yes, queen, let's go. It's just because people have been pushed down for so long that now we're finally like seeping through the cracks and we're just loud and proud and not backing down. Also, a really important thing there is that they're not vegan. Celebrating someone, Mm -hmm. they're finding the awesome things in you and not beating you down for being vegan. And we can do the same things for other people that aren't vegan. Celebrate what they are. Exactly. And I think, you know, in time, we're just going to feed off each other. I think we forget that we're all human beings and that you're not perfect either. And you weren't always vegan. Most people weren't always vegan. And like, no one, let's be honest, no one's going to, there's a very select few people who are going to be like, oh, this person's yelling at me for sure. I can't wait. I'm going to take all their advice while they're yelling at me and telling me everything I'm doing wrong. Like, who wants, uh, no, thanks. (laughs) I mean, I was a dancer, so like getting yelled at was like my fuel, but (laughs) no thanks as a well-adjusted human being. So Mm -hmm. just have compassion and encourage people. Like if they're eating a vegetable, that's awesome. Do you know how many people I know who don't even eat vegetables every day? Standard American diet. It's it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay, my friend's eating chicken, but she's also eating cauliflower and broccoli. And I'm like, oh, that looks so good. Give me the recipe. That sounds great. I'm not like, of course, I don't want the chicken recipe, but and then she's going to be like, oh, I'm going to make broccoli every time Nisha comes over, you know, like (laughs) people feel good when you celebrate the good in them, you know, huge takeaway, huge takeaway. Now, where can we find you on YouTube? Um, My channel is lose your veganity. I might be changing it soon to Nisha N-I-S-H-A. Cool. Um, But you can also find me on the vegan view and that is the YouTube talk show I do. And then... On Instagram, I'm Nisha Balsara. It's just my name. Very nice. On The Vegan View, mm-hmm. uh, where did that kind of come from? And what are you guys all about? So, um, me, Nikki, Nikki Vegan, Hannah Hagler, and Danny, we all met. Um, just kind of like Danny was trying to find vegan friends, and she kind of brought us all together. And we would just talk for hours, and we were like, we don't think... Because back when we started, veganism was, like, not thought about pretty much how it is now. Like, people were very strict in their diets. Like, there was so much division around, like, raw, cooked, starch, high fat, low fat. There was just so much division about being vegan. And we are like, who fucking cares? Like, just don't eat animals in their products. Don't use them. And, like, we're cool. Chill. And if you have friends who aren't vegan, but they're making efforts to be vegan, they're cool, too. And if they're not assholes, like, they're cool. Like... It's people were so mean, and I we felt like we were the only safe space around each other. And then someone was like, "Oh, you should start a show." And then the vegan view, we we just got crazy enough, and we're like, "Okay, let's just try it." And we had our first episode. We like begged people to be on the show. No one wanted to be on the show because who wants to be on a show with no followers? (laughs) (laughs) And um, it just took off so fast. And pretty much our message is that any steps towards reducing harm to animals is fine by us. We have had super vegans on the show. We've had um, people who are kind of vegan, like just stepping their toes into it. 
and we talk about like the hard things. We don't just blow smoke up your ass and be like, oh yeah, it's perfect. You're going to like lose 20 pounds. Your skin's going to glow. We're like, yeah, people are going to make fun of you. Here's how to deal with it. You know, the stuff that you, that I, I want to talk about, you know, I wanted help with and I've learned about and that no one else is really giving advice for. That's what we try to do. And then we also try to do like taste tests. We just try to be like a one-stop shop for being like a very positive, no judgment zone of veganism and providing that information for you. I like that. You're bringing people that aren't fully vegan Mm -hmm. onto the show. It's very important to learn about different perspectives and different yeah. experiences you were saying before that you don't lo- don't watch a lot of vegan youtube no great to get out of the bubble like you know go exactly. go listen to someone else else's perspective um because the reality is there's probably millions and millions of people that mm-hmm. have a very similar view of the world so yep. we can't go into it thinking like oh this is how it has to be mm-hmm. um and i'm gonna get mad at everyone that yeah. doesn't think the same way exactly and when you bring in a fresh perspective you're not gonna be so like your bubble's not gonna be burst your earth's not gonna be shattered when someone doesn't get it you know i think we tend to close ourselves off when we're vegan and we only have vegan friends and we or we only talk on um the internet with vegan people and like my following and my um the people who i follow are pretty split even because i don't really like i love everyone there are redeeming qualities to everyone and how are you going to change people's lives and change people's minds if you're only surrounding yourself with the same people as you perfect segue (laughs) into a relationship yeah with someone who is not vegan yes so so, so Jesse and I have been dating for a million years so you've been dating for a long time so when you were first dating you were both non-vegans oh yeah so you made the switch. Mm-hmm. And Jesse was probably ate more vegetables than I did. Like, if I'm being honest, he would be like, you probably should not eat so much meat. And I was like, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm not going to let a man tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then you switched. And then I switched. And he was like, oh, um, I remember <laughs> I remember, I was doing it a lot on and off for just to try it out, to be healthier. I thought it would help me get a really kicking bod. So I was like doing that on off and then I got sick and I tried that. And I think Jesse was just like, this is like a phase. She's nuts. Um, wish you could ask him about it, but he's not here right now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I remember there was just a lot of contention because I, you know, when you first go fully vegan and that, the, I remember overnight, I was like, went and did the research of why people are vegan. What does vegan mean? And then it just blew my head off and I was done. I was vegan for life. I wanted to completely change my whole life and be ethically vegan and not just doing it because I was sick. And um, uh, anyone who does a huge life change and you're in a relationship with, we have a dog next door. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who has a huge change in their life, you're going to be concerned about. I mean, for us, we're like, yeah, vegan, that's awesome. But from an outside perspective, someone just cuts out, seemingly cuts out everything that they're eating normally and just completely changes. Like, that's going to be worrisome. I know a lot of people, like, their parents are worried about them having eating disorders, um, depression, all these kinds of things. So I think he was concerned and he was like, okay, this is a phase. So we would go to restaurants and he'd 
eat whatever meat, dairy and eggs, and I would eat something vegan. And we'd have like, we had a lot of arguments mostly when we moved in together. Um, because when you move in with someone who cooks meat and eggs, it smells really bad. And so I, I just wasn't the nicest <laughs> about it. But I really love Jesse. And I really, he's like, he's just, I mean, I've already told you so much about him. He's the coolest guy ever. And it's just, when you love someone, it's not, it's a living, breathing thing, a relationship, you know? It's not a stagnant thing forever. You have to work on it constantly. And I was like, okay, I need to check something in myself that's making me so angry to someone who is so wonderful. And it's really, I just stopped seeing myself in him because I started seeing myself as other. I forgot Nisha before going vegan. And so I tried, I, like every situation that we would have, I would try to channel it back to something I had gone through before and how, because I had a vegetarian roommate and best friend all throughout college. And so I remember there was contention in that relationship because I really liked meat, but I also really liked animals. And we would have arguments about that. So I would always think, okay, I've had this experience. I've been on either side. I was that person who hated vegans. I have Facebook statuses that are like, fuck vegans. I have Facebook <laughs> statuses that were, I have one that says, I wish I could throw a parade for meat. Um, I have being a vegetarian is biz- big missed steak. So, I mean, so I... Texas things. <laughs> Texas, <laughs> just girly Texas things. <laughs> so I really... And then I grew up going to a dairy farm every month or every summer. So, you know, I didn't really think farmers are bad people, and they're not. It's, it's the sim- supply and demand that we're creating for them that's bad. So I just ha- I know that I was so polar opposite, and I just can't be an asshole to someone who is just me. You know, we have so much of ourselves and everyone else. And when we're, when we're lashing out at someone, it's because there's something inside of us that's like not resolved. There's this, I don't remember which philosopher said this or whatever, I should probably, because I say it all the time. But when there's a thorn in your side, when someone brushes against the thorn, you don't get mad about the person who brushes against it. You remove the thorn. So when someone it's irritating something in you by just being themselves and they're not being an asshole to you because that's different. Check yourself and see what's not been healed. And I, I just, I re- I listened to a lot of Colleen Patrick Rodrigo. Her food for thought podcast is incredible. I recommend it all the time. I turned all my friends onto it and she talks a lot about how to be a joyful, compassionate person, not just a vegan. And I think you're a human being first before you're an activist, before you're a vegan, before you're a health advocate, you're a human being. And so are the people around you and treat them as such. I'm learning a lot today. This is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, no. Wow. Can't argue with that. (laughs) Cannot argue with that. That's a really good lesson um, for... Yeah, for all yeah. of us. We can, we can take it into our own lives and start yeah. chipping away. I don't think it's something we can go... A hundred percent. Bang, this is how I'm going to operate from I now didn't, on. There's seeds being planted for me to go vegan like my whole life. 
Like I, every time you meet a vegetarian in your life has been a seed planted of you thinking about, oh, that exists. Yeah, it's in the back no of your one, consciousness. I, like people go vegan overnight. I went vegan in quotes overnight, but I really didn't gain consciousness to that overnight. It had been years and years and years. And I'm stubborn as hell. So it took years for me to go vegan. And I can't expect Jesse, who hasn't had the same journey, hasn't had the same experience, hasn't read, hasn't gone through the same pain, hasn't seen the same videos to go through that and to force him to go through that. I, you make change of your own volition. Like, so I, I know I see a lot of people like on our, we have a private Facebook group for the vegan view with people giving advice, asking for advice, and it's a judgment-free zone. Like, if you yell at someone, you're out. It's a one-strike rule. And a lot of people are like, how do I make my husband go vegan? And it's just, people give recommendations. They say, sit him down and make him watch Earthlings. And then the next day, make him watch this movie. There's like a playlist that's not how you bring people to drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> That's a horrible comparison. But you know, like, you can't... It's We're forcing things that should be... Like, veganism is such an internal spiritual awakening and a human awakening and a being awakening to that there's, there's other living, sentient things outside of yourself. Like, why would you want to science this? It's that, like, analytical how... How does that happen? How fast does that happen? How um, effective can we make veganism? Like it's a one little pill you swallow and you're vegan the next day. Like that's not mm. how growing works. It's back to back to feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people like, people will feel it as well. But yeah. once you make that decision, it's um, no matter what level it's on, mm-hmm. it's going to be something of, uh, it's going to bring up some kind of emotion. For me, it was my grandparents and health. Yeah. And then later on, it's animals. Mm-hmm. But it's a big, long journey. Yeah. Um, I'm, people say, well, I went vegan overnight. I'm like, don't give yourself that much credit. You're a wonderful human being. But I doubt that you heard about vegan veganism one day and was like, what is that? I'm vegan the next day. Yeah. You know? And that's why I always tell people, don't put yourself, don't put so much pressure on yourself to be the perfect vegan, to know all the facts do know those because it's good for yourself to know why you're vegan, but you don't have to go converting everyone every second of the day. Just people knowing that you're vegan and being the vegan in the room is so fucking powerful. Like you are 10 times more powerful being yourself than trying to be perfect or trying to be powerful. Like you are so magical and there's just the energy that resides in you has so much power if you let it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. So back to, I suppose, you know, what you are doing here in LA. Mm-hmm. You are a, an actress. Yes. What, I, I suppose I, we'll start to wrap it up because I'm getting hungry. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, but let's go eat. Um, I want to know what like the the ultimate kind of role would be for you mm-hmm. as, a, as an actress here in LA. Yeah. Or anywhere in the world for that matter. Yeah. Well, for me, I know uh, growing up watching like the Oscars and, you know, all the award shows and seeing just no one that looked like me in a leading role was so sad because it not only perpetuates it for me that I could never do that, but it also perpetuates it for everyone else and be like, oh yeah, I could never see you as an actor because I'm not 
options just don't look like everyone who's on TV. Of course it won't work out. And then I think, I'm always thinking about like, what would Nisha as a kid think of Nisha today? And I know like little Nisha watching TV needs to see someone like that. And then I know like I, when I get recognized and when people come up to me, a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the time, they're people of color or they're Indian and they relate to so much that I say and I do and a lot of them want to be actors or just be vegan and I know that seeing me on the internet or on like videos or film or commercials helps them see themselves out there and there's just I would love to be really successful in acting so more people could feel like they could do it too because I know when when you're an actor and when you want to be an actor, there's there's something inside of you that when you do it, it's like nothing else exists. And I know that it's like a certain kind of crazy that you have to have and you can't live a normal life unless you do that. Like I really think it's like a bug. Everyone says the acting bug, but like really you just, it, you always have to do something that has to do with acting. And then also I love YouTube. Like ever since I found out YouTube, I wanted a YouTube channel. And so I would just love to continue doing that. Like I'd love to just share and show people that life is fascinating and being yourself is cool and that just the everyday mundane like lifestyle stuff of being alive, I think that's what's special about YouTube. Like being yourself is a job and because people love human beings and love to watch them, you know? And so I just, I love how acting and YouTube kind of tie together in this like be yourself get out there, show people that you exist. Love that too. I really, I really like that because often we can look at YouTube and go, oh, everyone's doing it. There's too many people doing yeah. it. I'm not going to start one. But because, you're not doing it. You know, yeah. I mean, exactly. You, you're the only you that mm-hmm. isn't doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah you know, people when I started were like, oh, it's too saturated. You'll never get that many followers. And so mm. I barely... I listened to them and I barely even tried and it grew. So just start doing it. Like you never know. I never thought people would follow me. Like I really didn't think I would be here. I didn't think that my life would look like this at all, but it does. And that is such a testament to like, you can't control what happens in life. You never know what the universe, what God is going to give you, you know? But you got to give it a crack. Yeah. You got to give it a go. Exactly, you're gonna go crazy if you just wondered your whole life. For sure, and the other thing is, you know, those girls, boys of color, yeah, watching you, mm-hmm. just that little nugget that they know it's possible, or mm-hmm. they know it's, um, you know, yeah, they know it's possible. It's a huge motivator, exactly. for them to go out and give it a go. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back to the teachers that were telling you that I know can you that would not fly these days they you know, would not have a job <laughs> yeah saying that yeah you know point blank to a child to like a 17 year old girl no oh my gosh it's no nah, that's not cool I'm glad I was crazy enough to think fuck you at that <laughs> age but yeah like, I know plenty of people don't think that way and I'm here to tell them like you can tell people to fuck off if you need to like yep. people don't know what's good for them you're the only person who knows what's good for you. We might have to name the episode that. <laughs> Telling people to fuck we off? Can, you can tell people to fuck off if you need to <laughs> with Nisha Balsara. Everyone would be like, yeah, that's Nisha's episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's so true. Like um, even YouTube, 
there's Liza Koshy. There's Lily Singh now. Like, oh, this is hilarious. But I was in Texas with my mom the other day and this lady comes up to me and she's like, do I know you from something? And I was like, maybe. <laughs> never had, This has never happened to me in Texas before. It happens to me a lot in LA, but not in Texas. She's like, are you on YouTube? And I was like, <laughs> I am. She goes, you make those funny videos. You're the little Indian girl. And I was like, this girl thinks I'm Liza Koshy, 100%. And I was like, yeah. But I was like, I can't tell her I'm not the Indian girl on YouTube because I am. Because she was like, oh, you're the little half Indian girl on YouTube. And I was like, but then she started talking and I realized she thinks I'm Liza Koshy. And I was just dying laughing because we don't look alike. But I was like, it's a very accurate description of me. Just roll with it i didn't want to be like do you think i'm liza koshy you're wrong but so she thinks she met liza koshy but she went home with but a photo it's true she <laughs> looked at me and she was like that's a youtuber yeah 10 years ago no one would have looked at me and been like that's a youtuber right yeah, yeah. totally well i think um <laughs> it's a good place to wrap it up i mean i've Wow, I've really enjoyed this episode. Me too. I think I've learned. I love talking. Yeah, no, I've learned. <laughs> well, at least you're, you're talking words of wisdom. That's oh, for good. sure. I'm. I mean, I learned so so much today. That was I'm uh, glad. really really cool. Really nice to meet you. Glad we could. This fun. Glad we Let's could make eat. it work. Yes. Because um. Oh, it's been a struggle. I mean, this happens with a lot of. There tends the charm. With a, with a lot of um. We tried guests. in Boston. Yep. Then we tried, and I was dying i'm yep. so sick and third time's the charm yep no it's you just gotta let it go once yeah. you once you connect mm-hmm. you, you know what's gonna happen at some point exactly so it I happens did, when it needs to I, i've learned that from pretty much episode one so it's a, it's a <laughs> yeah. good thing to it's a good thing to go by but yeah thanks very much cannot wait to get this live um, Yay. that was a real real epic chat let's go eat yes i'm excited see you guys Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the show. For me, there were so many takeaways that I need to think about more often in my own life and more topics I can speak up on. I think it's a common misconception that is up to the minorities to celebrate themselves before being more widely celebrated by others. This conversation further solidified for me that this is very untrue. We speak about the whitewashing of the entertainment industry in this episode. I've also seen recent posts from guys like Dominic Thompson and John Lewis, aka the badass vegan, about the whitewashing of the vegan world in the media. Whether we like it or not, people of color and minorities have not been celebrated in this world when compared with white people. They have suffered at the hands of white people or the majority because we do not speak up anywhere near enough for them. Although many of us have not experienced this hardship in our life, we can still shift the needle by joining the chorus and celebrating diversity. Small actions like sharing a post with family and friends or on social media can go a long way in helping shift the minds of the wider public. You can find Nisha at Nisha Balsara on Instagram and at Lose Your Veganity on YouTube. Go and show her some love. I have no doubt you will enjoy following her as she's an amazing individual. Next week, I'll be bringing you the first round of conversations from Mexico and introducing you to the Om Twins. If you are not already following them, you can check them out on Instagram at Om, that's O-M, 
underscore twins with two eyes. See you all next week. Keep it plant-based and have a great week.